All right, we're, we're still in our series talking about the vision that God has given us as a church. We go over this every, every year at the beginning because it's vital to who we are. And we want to make sure that we are obedient to what God has called us to do. So we've talked the last three weeks. In the first week, we talked about embracing. And we talked, what does it mean to embrace, embrace people? We talked about loving people where they are and not being so quick to judge or to throw rocks at, at people because of the way they act or look or, or live or whatever. We always have to make sure that we love people, period. You know why? Because God loves people, period. Right? So we are a loving church. Turn to your neighbor and say, love you. See? Doesn't that feel good? All right. Then we talked about encouraging and how do, we, well, how do we do that? How do we live that? Well, the Bible gives us a great example because the word encourage comes from the same Greek word where we get the word Holy Spirit from. And the Holy Spirit is the one who walks alongside us, living every day with us, never leaves us, never forsakes us, points us in the right direction, speaks the word to us, helps us understand what God wants in our life, and, and is with us to help us, to strengthen us. So as we encourage one another, we walk alongside each other. And when you're going through a difficult time, the best thing you can do is allow people to come alongside of you. Typically, there's a lot of times when we go through a difficult time, what we want to do is isolate. And we want to pull away from people. And then we wonder why we're in it for so long. Because we don't have any strength. And when we pull away because we don't have strength, then how are we being strengthened? We need to allow the Lord to strengthen us, but sometimes the Lord wants to strengthen you by bringing people alongside of you. Like Aaron and Hur came alongside of Moses and held his arms up when he was supposed to hold the rod up for Joseph to win the battle. So there's something about having people around you and let them help you. Have the right people around you. You need people that are going to help you do what God wants you to do. You can have people around you, but if they're complainers and, and, and you know they're just going to wallow down in it with you, then that's not the kind of people you want around you. It's kind of difficult sometimes because sometimes don't you want people that will agree with you when you're frustrated? Don't you want that sometimes? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. That doesn't help you. Sometimes you need like, I do understand, but hey, let's get back on track. You want those kind of people around you. Then we talked about equipping, and we talked last week about how equipping people the Bible is very clear. There's three different ways the Bible talks about being equipped. One is God himself equips you. Another is the word equips you. talks about the, the word in, in uh, Hebrews. It talks about the word of God. It equips you to do the work. And then in Ephesians, it talks about God gives gifts to the church, pastor, po- prophet, teacher, evangelist, all that, so you can be equipped to do what he's called you to do. Be, so my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To help you live your life the way God's word tells us to. To help teach the word. To help show you and, and point you to what God is saying. That's what my responsibility is. So when you leave today, you're not leaving with this, oh, man, I just heard from Scott today. Hopefully you're leaving here with I heard from the Lord today. And one reason why we have these notes and we have so many scriptures in the notes is because these scriptures are where the power is at. It's not in me. And anything that I say every week, Sunday, Wednesday, any Bible study, anything that is said from any pastor, you need to take, line it up with the word, then receive it. Okay? If it doesn't line up with the word of God, 
then don't receive it. Okay, if there's been times where people have spoken things and said things, then if we're not careful, we're going to start following people. And then if they get off a little bit, then we're off a little bit. Remember how last week we had that analogy with the extension cord that was plugged into the power source. And then there was a lamp plugged into the extension cord. And if our hope, if that lamp, its hope is in that extension cord, what happens if something happens to that extension cord? It affects the lamp. So if the extension cord is what we're connected to, and that extension cord decides to not be connected to the power anymore, then, then we don't have it anymore because we were connecting there. We were connecting to the cord. That's why we talked about being equipped means let's help people connect to the power source themselves. So your hope is not in me. Your hope is not in a church. Your hope is not in a person. Your hope is in Jesus. And you can connect to Jesus on your own anytime, any place. And that's where your strength comes from. So today we're going to talk about being empowered. Now this is going to be similar to what we talked about last time from being equipped. But equipped was getting to where you are connected. Now once you're connected, what happens? Now there's power. If you're not connected, there's no power. So we want to get people connected so they can have the power to function as God wants people to function. And all of us. And I have a lamp up here that I'm going to use just to show you. So we're not using the extension cord this time. But let me just show you. If this, if this outlet here is, is God, this is where the power source is, then if we stay connected to the power, then our light shines. Now, what does the Bible say about light? Let your light so shine before men that what? That they see your good deeds and glorify who? God. Which means your good deeds are so good that they bypass you with the credit. In other words, they just know, okay, that has to be God. Because there's, there's, there's people that aren't believers that do good things. You know, but that doesn't mean that people credit God with that. But the Bible is talking about the good works that we will do will be so good that they know that's beyond just human. we got to give the glory to God. That's bigger. It's greater than anything we do on our own. We have to let our light shine, but we can only let our light shine if we're connected to the power. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, let's look at these scriptures. Ephesians 3.16 I pray, this is Paul, and he's praying. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So here's Paul even praying for the church, saying, listen, I pray that you would walk with power, that God would give you power. Look at this next scripture in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of what? Talk. Let me tell you, anybody can talk it. Anybody can talk it. Anybody can talk about church. Anybody can talk about God. There's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge of God, a lot of knowledge even of the Scripture. But if you're going to be connected to the kingdom of God, it goes way beyond what you say. It comes by living by God's power. So when you look at your life and measure your life or where you are right now, 
eventually, here's what should happen. It should go out of your mouth, and if it's coming out of your mouth, it's because it's happening in here. Not just one. You can't just talk it. Okay, you can't just talk it. I can, there's all kinds of things I could say. I, I could say, I am the, you know, I'm an airplane. I'm not an airplane. I could say, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. No. Close. No, just kidding. Not even close. There's a lot of things we can say. But doing it is a whole other thing. And here's what, here's, what, here's what the scripture is saying. It's not just about talking. It's about living. But not just living, but living by God's power. This is the promise that God has for us. You, as a human being, can walk in the supernatural power. It's crazy. But you can do that if you connect to God. And we're going to read this later, but the Bible says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit and fruit that will remain. In other words, you're going to have the quality of fruit and the quantity of fruit. There'll be so much stuff coming from your life, and all because of where you're connected. That's where it's coming from. You got to stay connected to God. That's how He's going. That's how we're going to walk in power. Our power source is our power source. Listen, I'm just going to show you this. Look, this isn't connected, but it's right there at it. You can be all around power. You can come to church. You can put your worship face on. You can can lift your hands. You can even sway. You can even do that window washing, whatever that thing. You can do anything you want. But if you are not connected, it's not doing anything. It's not. There's times we get so, we have to be very careful that we don't, that we don't substitute the church for God. Because some people, when you say, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church. That's not what I asked you. Are you a Christian? I go to church every Sunday. Guess what? That doesn't mean you're a Christian. When Jesus comes again, which I believe is soon, when he comes again to take us, if he comes on a Sunday morning, there's going to be some people still singing. Hey, where'd everybody go? Why? Because you know what? It's not about being here. It doesn't make you a Christian because you're in the church. Running down the runway doesn't make you an airplane. Make a noise, do whatever you want. You are, you are not a believer unless you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. you got to go through Jesus. That's it. So you can be all around the source of power. You can hang out there. You can be around other people connected to the power. But you will never walk in power until you yourself decide to plug in and to abide. That's it. Until then, you won't. Can you get close and you can at least get some light from somebody? You'll, you'll see some light. But you won't experience it unless you yourself connect. 
And that's what we're talking about today, allowing the power of God to flow in us. Now let's look at this power. It comes from God. So there's power that flows in us, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. And then there's power that flows through us, right? In order for something to flow through you, it has to go in you first, right? If you had a, a tube you wanted to, or a funnel you wanted to pour something through into something else, you've got to pour it in there before it's going to come out of there. That's why if we're not connected to God, we struggle living a life that people see God. Because it has to be in us before we can help others. John 13, it talks about love one another as I have loved you. In other words, I love you, now you love others. Forgive as I have forgiven you. God forgives me, and now I can extend forgiveness. 1 Corinthians talks about comfort one another with the comfort I've given you. So again, the comfort you're giving is because you have received comfort from God. So if you try to extend all of this, but you're not receiving any of it, you can't do it. You can't do it. You have to receive from God. And the thing is what makes us feel the best sometimes or what, what the pressure that sometimes believers are under because we think we have to perform. So we want to spend all of our time figuring out how we can do the work. And God is saying, listen, I have to do it in you before it will go through you. So some of us are trying so hard to see all of this fruit in our life and see all this stuff in our life, but we're not letting the power of God flow in us, and that's why it's not flowing out of us. We got to be connected. You with me? All right, Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him saying, send the crowds away, uh, this is, that's verse 12. Let me read it for you. Verse 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 9. I got it here. I probably typed it wrong. Sorry about that. Luke chapter 9. If you got your Bibles, you can open it up. All right. Here's what Luke chapter 9 says, verse 1 and verse 2. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples. This is what it says. He gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so here's what Jesus does to the disciples. This is why we got to go ahead and realize this is possible for us as humans. Okay, sometimes we think, well, yeah, Jesus, but he was Jesus. Jesus gave power and authority to the disciples to go cast out demons, heal the sick, and preach the gospel. In other words, he, what did he do first? He gave them power and authority, and then he sent them. You don't go until you receive. So Jesus gives them power and authority. So do we have authority? Luke 10, 19 says that we have authority. God has given us authority over the enemy. Power over the enemy is what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. He's given us power over the enemy. So if we have power, then this is why he wants us to walk in power. Because before he sends us or asks us to do anything, he's got to give us everything that we need. He's given us power and authority. And if God has given you authority over the enemy, that means when you speak... It's, it's as if you are speaking, it's as if God was speaking. When you speak the word, 
the power that you have and the authority you have that comes from God is as if God is speaking. Here's an example. Chris and Curtis are on staff at the church. Okay, they oversee different areas of ministry and they handle different things that I don't have to handle. And there are times if when I say, listen, I need you to go talk to them, or if there's a situation they're going through, someone's going, you know, someone's talking about something and Chris it needs to handle something, and he talks to me, I said, This is what I want you to tell him. I have given Chris authority to handle the situation. So anyone that Chris talks to on his ministry teams, it's as if I'm saying it. Because I've given him the authority as the pastor of the church. The authority that God has given me, God is the ultimate authority. But what he has given me to steward the church through him, obviously. If I say to Chris, I want you to go do that, and you tell them that, that means if Chris tells one of his leaders, this is what I want, then that leader needs to understand and does understand, okay, if Chris said it, it's just like as if Scott said it. Because if that leader comes back to me and says, Hey, did you, I was like, hey, that's what Chris said. I told Chris to say that. It's just like as if I said it. So for us, with God being our leader, that if God speaks to us his word and we speak his word, we are speaking the words of God with the same power that comes from God. So there's authority. You, I'm telling you, you have authority over the enemy. And that doesn't mean that we never go through difficult times. But James 4, it says, submit to God first, resist the devil, he has to flee. So what does the enemy want to do to you? Steal, kill, and destroy you. That's what John 10.10 says. He wants to steal from you, he wants to kill you, and he wants to destroy you. And he'll use any way possible to do it. He wants to get you to doubt God's word. He wants to get you to question everything. He wants to get you way off track. And what I would hate to happen is that you're allowing this enemy to, to wreck your mind and get you way off track and out of focus, allow you more to focus on you than God. And he's doing all this stuff to tear you up. And all you have to do is realize, wait a minute, God has given me power and authority that I don't have to take this beating. We... We have to be able to stand strong in the power of God. I believe when, we, when, we, when, when it's all said and done, you know, ultimately, this is what the Bible says, the devil himself is going to be thrown in the fire furnace, in the lake of fire. He's, he's, he, he knows, he's toast, he's done. What he wants to do is try to take as many people with him. So he's trying to deceive people into thinking this ain't real or, you know, you can do this and you can do this because he wants to take people with him. I was like that when I was younger. If I'm getting in trouble, I want others in trouble. I was. I was a leader, but I led the wrong direction. I thought, hey, I want to do this. Hey, you come, come on, come on, come on. I would get my brother to do stuff. As long as we got in trouble, as long as I had someone else with me, I was all right. I was a lot stronger when I had other people with me in the negative side. That's what the enemy's doing. He knows he's going down. He knows he's done. And he's just trying to get people with him. He knows he's doomed. We have authority over the enemy. And sometimes you need to take that authority and you need to, you need to use it. 
And you need to say, you know what? Enough is enough. No more. I'm not going to keep believing those lies anymore. I'm not going to keep, keep allowing that to happen anymore. At some point, enough is enough. I'm not doing it anymore. This is probably not the greatest example, but follow me before you get upset with me, okay? I was on the bus in seventh grade. I was skinny. I was little. I mean, I could hide behind that microphone stand. I was little, skinny Scotty. And I'd get on the bus, and every day the guy behind me was a lot bigger than me. And every day he'd turn around, and he, or the guy in front of me, he'd turn around, and he would grab my face, and he would headbutt me. He smashed his head into mine every day. Because he was bigger, I, would never, I wouldn't do anything. Just get a headache. The next day I get on the bus. Bam. Huh. Bam. Huh. And I mean days and days and days, weeks, weeks, months. And then one morning I just was having a rough morning. I don't think there was any marshmallows left in Lucky Charms, and it was just rough. And I remember I got on the bus that day, and in my mind I said, it might be my last breath, but if that brother turns around and hits me today, it's over. I mean, I was worked up. And again, I got spaghetti noodles as arms. I am little as could be. But he turned around, and he's like, pow! And this time... I just looked at him, and I set my backpack down, and I stood up. This is the part you're going to have to forgive me for, okay? Because the Bible says turn the other cheek. I used all my cheeks. I had no more cheeks. But I just, I just, yeah, sorry. I just, just realized how I could have sounded. I grabbed him, and I just went crazy. I just went crazy. The bus driver's all like pulling over the bus, and I am just swinging like crazy. Just rah! He's curled up, ah! and I'm just like, fire, fire, fire. I lost it. So they pull us apart, and I'm like, you know when you get so mad that you're crying, and you're not even hurt, you're just crying because you're mad, but you're doing those cries where you you're like can't even breathe or talk, and they're saying, what are you doing? You're like, that's all you do? That was me. But let me tell you this. The next day I got on the bus, and he didn't turn around. And the day after that, he didn't turn around. And for the rest of the year, he never turned around. You know why? Because I finally said, look, I might pay for it a little bit, but I'm done with you messing with me, man. I'm done with you coming at me every day trying to hurt me. Now, again, I may should have kept forgiving, okay? So that wasn't spiritual, Scott. But I'm telling you, when it comes to our walk with God, the enemy is turning around, wreaking havoc on your life every day. And here in the Word, the Bible says you have power and authority over him, and you're just sitting there receiving it, getting down, getting frustrated. Oh, he's just, the devil's been on my back all week. Well, then shake that joker off and get going again because you have power. You do. So, listen, stand in it. Stand in the power God's given you, right? And if that guy's listening online today, I forgive you. But I did wear you out. No, just kidding. All right. Sorry. All right, here we go. Let's go to Philippians 2.13. Y'all get what all that illustration was about, right? All right. For God is working in you. Here's what God does. Giving you the desire and the power 
to do what pleases him. See, we make this thing so difficult, y'all. We think sometimes, it's, well, I'm just going to have to force myself to do what I don't want to do. Here's what the Bible says. If you open up yourself to the Lord, he will give you the desire to do what pleases him. And then whatever that is, he'll give you the power to do it. He doesn't tell you to do something without giving you everything you need to do it. Well, I'm going to need a lot of strength to do that. He'll give you strength. He'll give you the power to do it. The problem is, it's not that it's so hard. The problem is we get in the way. Because we want, we want it in the natural. And there's sometimes that we know the only way to really pay attention to God's desire in our life and the power to flow in our life is we have to get us out of the way. And if it's something that that we want to hold on to, whether it's good or bad, that's when the battle comes. But if you're fully surrendered and you don't care, it doesn't matter about me. I want what God wants. He will give you the desire and the power. So you can never say, I know what God wants me to do, I just can't do it. See, that's the lie from the enemy. Because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ. And God says, I'll give you the power to do whatever pleases him. So he'll help you. You just got to let God's power manifest in your life because it comes from him. 2 Timothy 1.7, very familiar verse. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or sound mind. You know, 99% of the time we we'll use that scripture, we're talking about what he hasn't given us. We always say, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Period. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. And that's true. But that alone isn't what it's saying. God has not given you a spirit of fear. You know what he has given you? Power. Love. A sound mind to do the right thing. To think about the right thing. So, so even when we see that scripture, it's so funny that we never focus on power or love or a sound mind or self-discipline. We always focus on fear. God's not given us. We always talk about what he hasn't given us, which is true because we need to be reminded if we have fear, that's not something God's given us. We need to make sure that we allow the perfect love of God to cast that fear out, like 1 John 5 says or 1 John 4. But we do need to understand that you have power if you have God. You have power because he gave it to you. For God did not give us, give a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power. So you have power accessible to you every day. Now let's look at this power. There's power from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Listen, these are believers. This is the disciples, okay, and they're believers. But if you look in Acts chapters 1, verse 4 and 5, says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, this is Jesus talking, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Remember, it's a gift. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a deeper walk than just, okay, all right, God, that's it. This is a deeper walk where you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit in your life who is called to come alongside of you. And Jesus is even telling the disciples, look, 
I'm just telling you, don't go anywhere because you need what the Holy Spirit has for you. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to open up to the Holy Spirit in your life because the Holy Spirit is what's going to change your life and what's going to help you. Now, can I be honest? I grew up in Foursquare, which is where Foursquare Church. I grew up in Foursquare, and, and obviously some of you may not even know it's a spirit-filled, whatever you want to call it, Pentecostal, charismatic, people call it different things. Okay, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. The problem, well, there's no problem with that. We believe that. Sometimes when you hear the word Holy Spirit, people get all weird. And you start thinking about those crazy things. And I want you to know, the Holy Spirit is not crazy or weird. People are. So when you see something weird happen at a church, that ain't the Holy Spirit. That's people. That's crazy people. Because the Holy Spirit is, in, is a God. The God is a God of order. And everything's going to point to Jesus. And if you see crazy stuff happening where everybody's looking at a person, I'm telling you, when it's the Holy Spirit, when you read about what happened in Acts, it says, well, let's just read. Let's go to verse 8. When you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he's saying this is when the power comes. When you see the Holy Spirit, there's a new level of power that you walk in. But like I said, a lot of times people have a hard time talking about the Holy Spirit because all of a sudden we think to this crazy stuff that we've heard or things we've seen in our past. We think it's going to get crazy in here. Listen, I'm very protective of craziness because I don't want God looked at that way. I want people to know whatever God wants to do, listen, it's going to be done scripturally. Now, just so you know, we're not, we don't stifle anything. There's been times that the Spirit of God spoke something, and we've had people that felt like the, the, the Lord was putting something on their heart. Just a few weeks ago, Patty came up and shared something that God spoke to her. The Holy Spirit put on her heart. We're open to all of that. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in spiritual gifts. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in all of that. I, I believe in it. I do it. But I'm telling you this, the Holy Spirit has got this bad rap because people have gotten crazy. And people aren't open to even pray about the Holy Spirit because they think it's going to because what they've seen is all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to make you do something crazy. You're going to be at Walmart one day and you're just going to grab the mic at the register and <laughs> like that's that's not going to happen. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit when the when the disciples when they were in the upper room and then the Holy Spirit fell. Okay, the Holy Spirit fell upon and it says they begin to speak in other languages. They began to speak in tongues and speak in other languages. And here's what happened. They were speaking languages they didn't even know. That could only happen through the Holy Spirit. But here's what happened. And it says, if you read Acts chapter 2, all the people around that were from different, different nations, different languages, they heard the gospel in their language. And what did it do? It attracted them. It didn't repel them. It attracted them. And that's when the church began to grow. Peter began to preach. Things began to happen. People began to get saved. Because what they heard was something that wasn't so weird and crazy. It was something that drew people. 
The Holy Spirit in your life will draw people, not repel people. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit brings power. And it's something that goes deeper and beyond. And these next two verses, we won't go through them, but Acts 8, uh, well, let's read it anyway, 14 through 19. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So again, you already have believers. Now they're walking in a different avenue of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter laid his hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the Spirit was given the apostles and laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. So this, this sorcerer wanted this power, and he thought he could buy it. So how did he know there was power? Some power was demonstrated when these people received the Holy Spirit. And he saw it. He says, I want that power. How much is it? How much is it? It's like, this, this, you can't buy this. No money can buy that power. It comes from the Spirit of God. All right, let's go to Ephesians 3.20. All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. Whose power? His. His power that's going to flow through us. Romans 1.4. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the what? Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So guess what? The power of the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. You think that's power? So if the Bible says you receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, guess what kind of power you have? You have raised the dead power. That's what it raised Jesus. If you have that kind of power, then what if you've given up on some things God's put in your life? What if you've given up on things that you're believing for or dreams that God's, God's put inside of you and you've given up? Guess what? You have the power. The Spirit of God has power in you to raise that back up and get back on your feet to know that you can do whatever God's purposed you to do. You have power. There's no sense in walking around getting beat up. There's no sense walking around struggling when God says, I've given you power. Will we struggle at times? Will we have those moments where we, like we did earlier, we talked about we're struggling with believing? Yeah, but that's when we got to come over here and connect. Make sure we're connected. And then use God's power. And then power from the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. This sounds really simple, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You know what powerful means? Full of power. Powerful, full of power. That's what the word is. If you need power in your life, this is one way you plug in. It's amazing to me how many people struggle reading this. And sometimes we struggle because we say, well, I don't know if I understand it. You don't have to understand it. Start reading. Start with the gospel. Start with Matthew, Mark. Look at the life of Jesus. You'll find that it's the enemy wants you to think you can't understand. There's things I read sometimes, and right while I'm reading it, all of a sudden something stands out that I never saw before. God's got a way of revealing things to you. But we, we get busy. Right? We do. We all do. We all get busy, and you know what? Sometimes... These things right here, they can ruin you. 
you know, granted, I, I mean, it's a great thing to have. Don't get me wrong. There's times when it's just nice to be able to get a hold of somebody whenever you need. But it also hurts us because we can't disconnect from anything. And sometimes in order to connect to something, you have to disconnect from something. So if you want to connect with God, you have to disconnect from the other stuff. You have to be able to say, all right, you know what? That's why I encourage you to bring your Bibles. And when you do your devotions or your study time, you're reading, read your Bible. Because this right here, you're going to get distracted. You're going to get a text. You're going to get an alert or a reminder. And then your, your, your brain's going other places. This, this is what's going to change your life. This is power right here. This is power. Let's just, let's say this is a, let's say this is gas and that you're a car. All right? Go ahead and put a third of a gallon in your car. And by Tuesday, you're going to be walking. And you're going to complain that you're walking. When you have a whole gallon of gas with you all the time. And sometimes spiritually, we get the, you know, Sunday's like, woohoo! By Sunday afternoon, oh man. By Monday, pfft. Because we're not, we're not getting fueled by what God has for us. We gotta, we gotta understand there's power in this. We gotta jump in it. We gotta read it and go after it. All right. We're gonna go with these really fast, so just be ready. Power flows through us. Okay, all that is about the power that we have, the power we have access to that is in us. Then it flows through us. John 14, 10. Do you believe that I'm the Father? The Father is in me. The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does his work through me. This is Jesus saying, look, I'm just a, I'm just a vessel. I speak whatever the Father tells me to speak, and I do what the Father tells me to do. So it's the Father that's doing the work. I'm just a vessel. That's the power. You're just a vessel. Listen, I am not a great pastor. I am not a wonderful spiritual giant. You know what? I am someone that God can use. I will not change your life. God through me may change your life, but not me. Nobody gives a water hose credit when you want something to drink. You go pour the, or you just need to be refreshed, and you use the hose from the, you know, the water from the hose. You're not like, oh, what a great hose. No, the water's what's great. It's just flowing through it. Same thing. It's it's God that's doing the work. It's the Father. All right, Acts 4, 7 through 10. They brought in the two disciples, demanded by what power or whose name have you done this? Peter and John had just raised the lame man up and brought a miraculous healing where God did through them. So they're questioning them now. And then, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, Rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you. And all the people of Israel. Here's what this remember, this is the Peter who, when, when they asked him, Were you with Jesus? He denied Jesus. Now, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's got power. And now when he's questioned, he he just let me just tell you clearly. Okay, before he's like, you don't want to get in trouble, he don't want to go to prison, he don't want to go to jail. He just acts like he doesn't even know Jesus. Filled with power, now he's just standing there. He's not even moved or all. He goes, yes, we healed this crippled man. God did through us. And let me tell you right now, very clearly, I want to tell all of you and all the people, this is how we did it. Through the powerful name 
of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the, the man you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. So he's saying, this is where that power came from. Not us. It came through us. But he was healed by Jesus. So y'all are asking us, how do y'all get this power? I'm telling you, it ain't our power. It's the powerful name of Jesus that brought healing to this man. All right. Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Christ. Who gives us what? Where's the power from? Right. And we can do everything. So it's going to flow through us because he's given us his strength. 2 Corinthians 12.9. Each time, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your what? Weakness. So for you to understand you don't have the power, congratulations, you've just, you've just graduated to a very healthy place. You don't have the power. And when you get that and you finally realize I am weak on my own and you will open yourself up, here's the promise, that God's power works best at that moment. At that moment when you say, I can't do it, God's power works best. And he empowers you to do everything that he wants you to do, and he equips you to do it. All right, Acts 13, 2, and, 2 through 4. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent, sent them on their way. So, Paul, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So here's where the men that prayed for them laid their hands on them and sent them out. But who was sending them according to this verse? They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Through these men that laid their hands on them and prayed, they were sent by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're sent with power that the Holy Spirit gives you. They were sent with power. So you have power. All right? Now, I'm going to close with this. The power that God wants to operate in your life and from your life has to start with you connecting to it. And we talked about that. You have to connect to the source of power. You can't just be around people. You can't just talk it. And in Acts 19, we're not going to read it, but it's in your notes. There's a place where these, these men, the sons of Sceva, they were, they were sitting there and they, were, they had saw Paul and Jesus. And, and so they, they see all this work. You know, I'll put it up there so we can explain it clearly. Go ahead and put that last group of things up there. A group of Jews traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, listen to what they say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, living priests, they were the ones doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, listen, this is the evil spirit that actually speaks to these guys and says, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. So here they are trying to use someone, they say, you know, in the name of Jesus that Paul talks about. So they're trying to walk in this authority from someone else's knowledge and revelation and understanding, not from their own. So guess what? They were in their power talking like they wanted other power, but they didn't have it. So the enemy jumped on them 
beat them up, stripped them, and the guy runs out. They, they leave running beat up and naked, completely humiliated because they didn't have power. But they thought, well, you know, the power that they have. Guess what? That's what I'm saying. You can't do that. Remember the extension cord? You can't, you can't say the power that this guy has is what I want. If you want it, then you've got to connect to it yourself. That's where the power comes, not from somebody else. It's not enough. Listen, I love all of you. And I love the fact that you're at Thrive. And I encourage you to be at church, to encourage one another, to embrace one another, to equip one another. The Bible talks about the importance of coming together. But can I tell you, this is not where your power is. Your power is in God and in the Word and the Holy Spirit in your life that you should be connecting to while you're here. But we have to let the Spirit of God lead us. We have to decide once and for all, we're going to use the power that God's given us. And if we use it, we'll see, we'll see results of it. Everybody sees that light. And without any power, that light will do nothing. You can have a nice bulb. You can have a beautiful lamp. But if you never connect to power, it'll never do anything for you. You'll never, you'll never get anything out of it unless it's connected.